Hey, it's Will Friedle. And Sabrina Bryan. And we're the hosts of the new podcast, Magical Rewind. You may know us from some of your favorite childhood TV movies like My Date with the President's Daughter. And the Cheetah Girls movies. Together we're sitting down to watch all the movies you grew up with and chat with some of your favorite stars and crew that made these iconic movies happen. So kick back, grab your popcorn, and join us. Listen to Magical Rewind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. The biggest stars in country music will be taking the stage at our 2024 iHeart Country Festival. Presented by Capital One. Jason Aldean. Keith Urban. Jelly Roll. Old Dominion. Lady A. Riley Green. Ashley McBride. Brothers Osborne. Walker Hayes. All hosted by Bobby Bones at Austin's Moody Center. Saturday, May 4th. Stream only on Hulu. Starting at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific. Up next, Luna talks with Anna Paulina Luna, part of the Gingrich 360 Network. The left likes to cry racist whenever a conservative clears their throat, which is ironic because it's the left that's obsessed with race. And trust me, I would know I've been on the receiving end of the left's racist attacks many times. This is Luna Talks with Anna Paulina. When I was thinking about this week's episode and how I was going to actually introduce it, I it actually brought me back to this documentary that I had watched a few years back. And it was on the brown paper bag test that was used early on during the segregation era in regards to the color of people's skin and how that that test was used, whether or not someone was going to be determined as quote unquote white passing. And the reason I bring that up is because I, I feel like today, especially in society, if you are a minority that's speaking out for your conservative values, you are many times, and I know myself, I've obviously been treated like this, but then also to many of my friends who are within the conservative movement, whether they're commentators or activists or even running for office, have had comments about the color of their skin, whether or not they are considered quote unquote whitewash. And so when you think about that ideology in itself, that brown paper bag test of leftist politics, I mean, think about the implications of that. You know, how I grew up, I wasn't raised racist. My mom actually never even mentioned the fact that I was any different because of the color of my skin. Granted, my family in itself were a complete different shade of the rainbow, right? Like my mom's a little bit darker than me. So are my brother and sister. And I'm very light skinned. But that was never something that in our family was, I was ever treated differently because of that. And when I heard stories of my mom, how she would tell me how she was growing up or what she experienced, I guess, with my father's side of the family, you know, I always thought it was interesting because there was this emphasis, at least within the Hispanic culture of the color of someone's skin. So my mom, again, going back to how she is, my mom is, is darker skinned. And my grandmother coming from Mexico had this 
idea, I guess, that she wanted my dad to marry an American woman, probably someone that was blonde. Obviously, my mom is not blonde. My mom's um, very dark skinned at that, has dark hair. But, you know, she told me stories about how she really did hope that that wouldn't be an issue when I was born. And then as I progressed kind of growing up, my little sister was born. And I remember my little sister very innocently asking, she goes, you know, Nana, that's what she called me when I was, when she was younger. And she's, you know, like, why are you so light? Like, how come you don't look like me? And my response in total honesty, and I do believe this is because God made me the way that I I am, right? Like no one can help being born the color that they're born. My brother is darker, my mom and, you know, my family will somewhat joke. They'll be like, oh, you're the what out of the family, but they're not saying it in an insulting term or ideology. They're meaning it in an endearing form because it's a nickname. I'm literally, quote unquote, the whitey of the family. But I bring that up because as much as I saw this kind of a little bit in my family growing up, it never actually became the focus of my life or like a topic of my everyday thought process until I actually ran for office. And I could never understand why this would be something so like something as minimal as literally like melanin production would be just like such a focus. But in the political era that we are currently in, identity politics and what drives a lot of people's divisive commentary, it's based on race. And that's the ideology that you're constantly seeing, in my opinion, coming out of the left because they want to marginalize and basically segregate minorities from even being able to talk with one another and then create this victim mentality in an effort, I think, to push their legislation, which is completely anti-American. So. I mean, when I just decided to run, people said because of my stances on immigration, I was called a coconut, which, you know, I laugh about it now. And some of you are probably like, what the heck is a coconut? But for those that are Hispanic that are tuning in, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It is when you are, quote unquote, brown on the outside, but white on the inside. But it wasn't just, you know... I'd say like minorities calling me that it was white liberals. So I did have someone actually almost recently, they had gone to my Twitter and because I was posting about what was happening with the trafficking issue, the comment was, and I just want you to picture this for a second. They told me that I needed to get sterilized and that I should be ashamed of who I am and that my family should be embarrassed of me, but that they had also mentioned along the lines of me being like a lighter skinned, basically white and not really Hispanic. And that's something that on a regular basis, again, I mean, you think about the audacity of someone even saying that, but I mean, why should I be, but why should my family be ashamed of me? You know, I'm not ashamed of who I am. Is a minority with a voice a problem? Are women with a voice a problem? Like what would cause someone to actually feel that because of the fact that I am conservative, that they had the right to bring that up? And then I think the straw that really broke the camel's back and really why I'm doing this episode is at a point in my congressional run towards the end of the election, I hit an interview that was essentially my breaking point and that pretty much left not just my campaign manager shocked, but myself shocked. And we'll be right back after this short break. 
I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. The biggest stars in country music will be taking the stage at our 2024 iHeart Country Festival, presented by Capital One. Jason Aldean, Keith Urban, Jelly Roll, Old Dominion, Lady A, Riley Green, Ashley McBride, Brothers Osborne, Walker Hayes, all hosted by Bobby Bones at Austin's Moody Center. Saturday, May 4th, stream only on Hulu, starting at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific. Towards the end of my campaign, again, going back to what I was saying earlier, there seemed to be this focus on my skin color, but it actually got really bad to the point of, I remember my mom and my sister both being pretty upset about it because there was a reporter that had actually reached out to my extended family, whom I really didn't talk to. And they're also trying to track down my mom to see if I was quote unquote Hispanic. And I think that's when the moment came where, you know, for me especially, I I had never been treated less than, but because of the fact that I'm lighter skinned, this reporter had this stereotype in his brain. And because he was liberal, it was apparently socially acceptable for him to tell me that essentially because I was fair skinned, that I wasn't Hispanic enough. And then the point that it kind of crossed the line with me where I actually had to say something is I was at a veterans event. There was probably around 80 people-ish there. And this reporter who had been behind the scenes basically harassing my family and trying to find out this, whatever he was looking for, although he ended up obviously being completely wrong, he shows up and he tries to tell my campaign manager, Grace, that he just wanted to come take photos of myself at this event and that he was going to say hi, that he wasn't trying to do an interview or anything and that he was going to leave. And so my campaign manager comes over to me and she's like, okay, look, so-and-so is here. Um, I think that, you know, just smile, wave to the camera. He's not doing an interview or anything and hopefully he'll just go away. Well, (laughs) that wasn't until I went over and then he, of course, sprang a very impromptu interview where he asked me if he could ask me some questions about my Hispanic identity because I'm lighter skinned, aka white. And at that point, I looked at Grace and I looked back at him. I looked at Grace. I goes, this guy's serious. And I remember when he was asking those questions, I mean, so many things come to mind, right? Like was Obama not black enough because of the fact that he was part white? If I were to be on the flip side of this and let's say that I was a Democrat and a conservative reporter asked me that, in my opinion, that person would automatically be considered either prejudiced or racist. But there seems to be this double standard that exists because of the fact that I'm not a Democrat. And then also too, I'm not ashamed of who I am. I mean, I can't help the fact that I'm part white. I can't help the part fact that I'm part Hispanic. But either way, in no way, shape, or form should the color of my skin be a topic of discussion, especially during a congressional race, because that is not what I choose to focus on. And by the way, as far as I'm concerned, if you've ever left the country of the United States and traveled outside, you'll realize that even in Mexico, Hispanic 
people that are Mexican are not just one color. In fact, we're all shades, whether you're blonde haired, blood. Yes, that exists. If you ever want to see something, watch a, a Hispanic soap opera. You'll literally see blonde haired and blue eyed Mexican people. Or you go down to the, you know, the more indigenous areas and there's going to be darker skinned people. It's just what happens in places like Mexico and also too in places like the United States. But when you look at what the definition of racism is and how society constantly tries to push this whole idea of having white privilege and that someone cannot be a certain type of minority because of the color of their skin, I do believe that, that that's an inherently racist ideology. You know, am I only considered Hispanic in the summertime when I'm dark enough? Or is it that when I'm in the winter months that I'm not Hispanic at all? I mean, that's how it honestly makes me feel when these people ask these questions. Where was my white privilege when I had to join the military to go to school and my dad was in and out of jail? Or where was my white privilege when I was on a campus where there was a gang shooting or I got jumped because of the fact that I was in the wrong zip code? I mean, is that where we've become in society that you're going to literally focus on that. I do believe to this day, and I don't think that I should ever have to backtrack from this comment, that the whole idea of white privilege itself is a racist idea, thinking that someone is better off or worse than you because of the color of your skin. That's just not how I was raised. And I do believe that that is a divisive and very dangerous ideology because of what it does to people creating almost this victim mentality, thinking that because someone is born darker, that they might not be as capable as someone who's lighter skin. That is completely just welcome to the upside down world. But also to this idea of stereotyping that this reporter thought that it was okay to group Hispanic people into just one category of just being dark. You know, here in the United States, the group that's preaching this acceptance, the liberal and quote unquote woke left is the least accepting. Again, going back to this, was Obama not black enough because he was half white? And then are Hispanics only the dark skinned help that wear sombreros? I mean, are we only supposed to look like Speedy Gonzalez is what I ask these people? You know, stereotyping and prejudice notions don't just change because you're part of a different political party. You know, Ironically enough, my interaction with these ideologies and what I consider hate from the left side of the political arena, not from conservatives and libertarians or even independents, but from the far left, quote unquote, progressives, is that they're so quote unquote progressive they're at that they're actually regressive. And when you're using people's skin color and then you're starting to resort at some of our Ivy League colleges around the country, resorting back to segregated graduations in the name of safe spaces. I mean, how much do you think that Dr. Martin Luther King would disagree with that ideology in today's day and age? And for someone like myself, that's bicultural and even for all argument's sakes, biracial. I, you know, for a lot of people tuning in, if you are Hispanic, a lot of Hispanic people tend to have Spaniard blood, so from Spain, but then also a large percentage Native American. And then being part white on top of that. I mean, all of these things together, where do I fit in to what their stereotyped boxes are for minorities? And the fact is, is that myself and so many people like me don't. And that's exactly why our voices are silenced, especially when we call people out on this ridiculous ideology. So what this reminded me of is probably one of the most impacting documentaries that I'll get to right after this short break. But I highly encourage every single one of you to watch this with your families because it's literally laying out, I think, 
the impact long-term that these dangerous ideologies of, you know, this idea of white privilege or not being dark enough to be a certain type of minority has emotionally on our children and on society. So we'll be back with that right after this short break. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. The biggest stars in country music will be taking the stage at our 2024 iHeart Country Festival, presented by Capital One. Jason Aldean, Keith Urban, Jelly Roll, Old Dominion, Lady A, Riley Green, Ashley McBride, Brothers Osborne, Walker Hayes, all hosted by Bobby Bones at Austin's Moody Center. Saturday, May 4th, stream only on Hulu, starting at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific. So the documentary that I'm talking about was actually done by Oprah, and there was two of them. One was called Light Skin Girl, and another one was called Dark Skin Girl. And I was always very curious about this because when I was in the military, one of my best friends still to this day, of both my husband and myself, um, his initials were Elsie. And so Elsie was like my brother. He still is. He's from Detroit. And I remember we would work probably 12 hour shifts together. And then he was my roommate on the side. So like we had a lot of time where we would just discuss things and the thing, and I, and I'll kind of go back to the military on this one is that I still am so glad to this day because the military really did expose me and bring me around people from all different walks of life. And I would ask him sometimes about, you know, black culture and what he experienced when he left Detroit. And I remember him telling me stories about comments that he would get from some of the people back home. And ironically enough, I had also heard this from my mom that she was getting this from some of her friends about this whole idea of quote unquote talking white, which means that you're basically educated. I don't know why that it was considered a almost negative thing, but that whole idea of, I think how minorities feel that if you are essentially embracing bettering yourself that it's almost a negative thing. And I'm not saying this as a blanket statement. I'm saying this as something that's actually like a true issue within, I believe, Black and Hispanic culture is this idea that if you are trying to better yourself or if you are breaking the stereotype that's put onto you by the left, that you are considered quote unquote whitewash. So after watching this documentary... What I realized is that this has been something that, one, we have to fix through the education systems, right? Like, I think that especially right now in a day and age where they're pushing critical race theory, that's actually the opposite of what we need to be doing because leftist ideology says that racism and culture acceptance is based on their version of a skin chart. And that's what the whole concept of that brown paper bag test was, is that in the days of segregation, you had a brown paper bag and that if you were that color or lighter than that, that you were considered white passing. But if you were darker, you weren't. And that's what they used to actually segregate people. And that's something that I believe, especially right now in this political arena that's been created and you have movements like BLM who are literally focusing on skin color, extremely divisive 
divisive. You have all of these movements that is placing people in an area where they have to focus on that instead of the content of people's characters. You know, this was an old ideology, but it's still happening to this day. At least it feels like it. And if you're Hispanic, but you're not a certain shade, then you're considered less than. So I say like, what is this, 1940? And I think that that's an argument that we could all be using, especially when we're having just these very blunt and honest conversations with our friends and family. You know, at the end of the day, I saw this incredible TikTok video and this guy says, why is it that society focuses on race? If they stop talking about someone being a black American or Hispanic American and just focus on the fact that we're all American, it it takes a lot of that divisive speech out of the way. And at the end of the day, I believe in God. I was raised Catholic, but I consider myself a Christian. We're all a part of the human race. That means scientifically speaking that we are 99.9% related. So if the only thing that we have to talk about in one of the greatest countries in the world is the fact that you know skin color because of melanin is supposed to make someone less or better than, then it's not an issue with me. It's not an issue with people that have my ideology. It's an issue with people that are choosing to focus on that. And that's what I choose to talk about is don't focus on that. I tell my little brother all the time, you know, you're not less than because of the color of your skin. Like don't think that because you're darker that you're not capable. And the people that try to tell you that are those that are trying to create that victim mentality. And that's something that you should absolutely reject because again, we're born in one of the greatest countries in the world and you can attain anything you want as long as you set your mind to it. But in these thoughts and realizations, I came to the conclusion that I wasn't the only one. And the more that I was out on the campaign trail, the more that I did grassroots activism nationally, and the more that I was actually speaking at these different events, especially I've gone out to three different events for Turning Point's Young Latino Leadership Summit. And every single event that I had gone to there... I had had on multiple occasions people agreeing when I would tell this story about what happened with this interview or agreeing when I would tell people about how I personally deal with all the hate that I get on the internet. And it's sad. It's sad that apparently the implication that you are quote unquote whitewash is something that is used to keep minorities in check by other minorities, that you are a quote unquote race traitor or not really Hispanic because of the color of your skin or because you choose to reject the ideologies of the left. I tell people all this all the time. So if I'm not Hispanic when I am, I embrace my culture. I embrace my maternal roots and my heritage. I honor my mother and her family because she raised me. And as a single woman in Southern California to raise me as young as she did and choose not the easy path. Okay. Because the easy path would have been to get an abortion. She chose to literally take me on. She didn't know what was going to happen. We obviously weren't well to do at all. And yet we made it work. I'm not ashamed of that at all. I'm not ashamed of hiding the fact that I am Hispanic. I'm not ashamed of my roots. In fact, I'm very proud of it because my story and my culture makes me who I am. And to give you guys a little bit of insight, Hispanic culture in America is something that the media doesn't really tend to talk about, right? I saw an interesting quote the other day, and it said that I'm a made Latina, M-A-D-E, not made Latina, M-A-I-D, like a Molly made. And I, I think that that's interesting because you have these stereotypes that exist that illegal immigrants are an assigned race of automatically being Mexican-Americans or automatically Hispanic when in actuality, illegal is not a race. And the only reason they do that, and they're not talking about the fact that you have people on the terrorist watch list that have recently been you know caught at the border, is because of the fact that they need people to play into their whole identity divisive politics so that they can control the largest voting block in U.S. history, which is Mexican-Americans. 
But going back to history, you had the one 158th Regiment Combat Team, the Bushmasters, which was an infantry guard unit in Arizona, largely comprised of American Mex- or Mexican Americans and Native Americans, and you see the history that the Hispanic culture has contributed to the United States. And it's incredible right before. And a lot of people talk about the case that actually broke segregation in America, right? Which was Brown versus the board of education. But a lot of people don't know that prior to that, about seven years prior, there was a Sylvia Mendez case versus Westminster that actually ended segregation in, in California altogether. And that during world war two divisions of Hispanic soldiers were actually called to fight the Japanese after going through warfare training in South America, because they were so good at the jungle warfare operations that general MacArthur actually called them up and sent them to the Southwest Pacific Theater to fight. Or that the fact that missions all over Southern California, whether you're Northern California or not, places from California to Texas, to New Mexico, to Arizona, even Florida have a culture that you find that's basically deep with Hispanic roots, but they don't talk about that. The media tends to show Hispanics as the gardeners, the people that are in the fields picking, you know, vegetables. But the fact is, is that we're not just the help. There are Hispanics that are doctors and lawyers and entrepreneurs and business owners, all of these things. But if they were to talk about that, if they were to talk about the fact that we've been empowered instead of victims, it completely destroys their narrative. And so it makes you ask yourself, why is it that Hollywood, again, that's supposed to be this woke area, Why is it that they have all of these roles that they fill in their films with people that are literally stereotyped as gangbangers or that Chicano culture is actually used just to promote a certain stereotype instead of actually showing what it is, which is so much more than that. And if you approach a conservative and you ever talk to them and they ask you about your values, the issue is never about the color of your skin. And so I tell people, vote on your values. I was raised Catholic again with my mom. I'm pro-life. And you know who who else was pro-life was Selena. For those who might not know who Selena was, she was one of the most... I think the biggest cultural icons for Hispanic Americans, but also too, she was an amazing recording artist and she was huge in the nineties. She was actually from Texas, but she was extremely pro-life and she actually was born here in the United States. She did not speak Spanish. She actually later on learned some that, so that she could communicate, but she is literally like when you think of Hispanic culture in the United States, you think of Selena and everyone, even in my generation, even Gen Z knows who Selena is. That's how impactful she was. You know, I believe in freedom of religion. I believe that you should care for your family and honor your parents and love and take care of them or that you should have big families and teach those children to be good human beings. I believe that you should stand up for what's right and fight against those things that are wrong. And those are the values that I learned because of my family, that cultural importance. I think that that was largely based in faith as well. But I believe that the Hispanic voting block in this country, especially being how grounded we are among our families, you know, you have about a third, a third and a third that's considered Republican, a third that's considered Democrat, or you could say, you know, conservative or liberal. And then you have this third that's in between that's kind of, you know, leans on cultural values, but maybe not necessarily has been approached to say, hey, look, your 
values, if there's one thing, maybe you don't necessarily like party titles, but vote on what your values are. You know, we've been here since before 1776. We're inherently conservative. We're now the largest voting minority in the country. And I do believe that if we stick together, that we can actually unite this and stop the nonsense with the focusing on the skin color instead of actual issues that we have at hand here. But these issues that the media, that these establishment politicos used to divide this country, it's sad because you should never be told to vote based on your skin color, right? Everyone tuning in now will realize that there's no such thing as one shade of Hispanic. And then when they try to hurt you and say that you're X, Y, and Z because you don't agree with them, come back at them with the facts. You know, never allow anyone to tell you that you are a victim because of the color of your skin or because of your ethnic heritage. That doesn't just go for the Hispanic vote, right? That goes for Black Americans as well. That goes for Native Americans as well. I think that obviously we need change all over, right? Like we need change within the GOP to have, I think, strong leaders with strong backbones that can go to these communities and to tell their stories and get people elected that understand what poor policy can do to them. But if there's one thing that I realize is a problem and is continue to be a problem in our communities, it's this focus and this emphasis on skin color. So continue, please, to wake up your friends and family members and share these stories with them. And I'm sure so many of you have maybe experienced this. And I know sometimes, you know, especially on the topic of skin color and especially on the topic of race, it can make people uncomfortable. But if we don't talk about these things because we're afraid of the reactions that we might get, then I do believe that we're not helping to forward our society to forward our culture. And that also too, if we stay silent and we let these people continue to push for segregated, you know, college graduations or critical race theory, that we're only going to further divide this country instead of focusing on the ideas that even Dr. Martin Luther King did, which was focusing on the content of someone's character versus the color of their skin. Before we go, I want to thank you guys so much for listening. If you've enjoyed today's show, please leave us a review and rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts. You can also find me on Parlor, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Real Anna Paulina. And a special thank you to our producer, Drew Steele, writer Aaron Kliegman, and researcher Stenson Bryson, as well as executive producers Debbie Myers and speaker Newt Gingrich, part of the Gingrich 360 Network. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. A couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. The biggest stars in country music will be taking the stage at our 2024 iHeart Country Festival. Presented by Capital One. Jason Aldean. Keith Urban. Jelly Roll. Old Dominion. Lady A. Riley Green. Ashley McBride. Brothers Osborne. Walker Hayes. All hosted by Bobby Bones at Austin's Moody Center. Saturday, May 4th. Stream only on Hulu. Starting at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific.